Morning City Light. Thank you all for meeting with us today. Uh, this way, uh, we're going to jump into Luke chapter 13 and 14 today, but a few things before we do that. First, in light of the present circumstances, I just wanted to address a few things going on and how we might be able to serve and to pass on information to you. And so part of the reason I wanted to make sure we all gather online today is so that we could communicate with one another, so that we could be clear on what's going on, so that we could be unified. Uh, and be one. There we go. I'm a little too tall for that. All right. Thank you. Um, and so that we can kind of communicate and be clear on what's going on. So first of all, if you could check out wearecitylight.org backslash updates, that's where all our information is going to go. So it will be posted on Instagram and other outlets. We send out newsletters and all that. Uh, so if you're not on the newsletter, please DM us on Instagram or send us an email. But if you check out the updates page, you will be constantly informed on what we're doing as a church at City Light, but also how we're serving our community. You'll be in the know as to what's going on. So as far as we can tell, we won't be able to gather in person until Easter, Lord willing, if that happens. So that's what we're praying towards, uh, that the Lord would fix everything going on uh, for bigger reasons than us gathering. But if he, if he does that and things work out uh, in that timing, we'll meet on Easter. Uh, if not, we'll continue to keep you updated through all our outlets of information. Uh, for the next four Sundays, we're going to gather at 10 a.m. still on YouTube. So please continue to make this a priority. Gather with your family. Gather in your home. We want to sit under God's word together. We want to communicate about what's going on. Uh, we want to be clear that we're still together and unified. And so this is important for us to stay on the same page, to stay together, uh, and to be in this as one. And so please make this a priority just like you would any other day uh, on a Sunday morning. Uh, we will also be praying on Thursday nights, uh, live stream as well on YouTube from 7 to 8. As we said in the newsletter, prayer is our first response, not our last resort. And so we want to pray and we want to dedicate specific time to that, to do that together. So in the same way you prioritize Sunday 10 a.m., even on YouTube at home, please prioritize this Thursday night, 7 to 8. We're going to pray together, uh, pray for our city, pray for the Lord's mercy, and pray that he would use us in this time. Practically speaking, our lighthouses are still meeting virtually. We want you to continue to invest in community with your lighthouse, so please do that. There's obviously in 2020 a thousand ways to meet virtually and to do that well without really missing a beat. So our lighthouse leaders are figuring that out, and there's some of them that already meet that way that are helping train others how to do that well. So please prioritize this time with your lighthouse. Let's do everything we can to stay unified, to stay together, to stay on the same page, uh, and to be in this fight together. This is certainly, as we all know, an unusual and unique season. And I said this in the newsletter, I've said this a few times now, it is not a time for panic but for purpose. And I think this is so important for us as a church to realize that God has set us aside. I mean, just think about practically for us, we just planted a new church like uh, seven months ago or something like that. And now this is coming up. And so the Lord has set us apart as an entity, as his people represented in Falls Church and across the Nova area. So that when this time would happen, we would be particularly ready to be the light of the world. We are the light of the world and God wants to use us to reach the world around us. And so of all people, it is not for us to panic, but to live out our purpose. We've always said that Sundays are a launching pad, not a landing place. And so we really want to live that out now more than ever, that even we're doing this on YouTube, we're going to be informed, we're going to be inspired by God's word, uh, we're going to be united in purpose together, and then we're going to go launch out. 
So we're built for this, City Light. This is really what we came to, to the West Falls Church and surrounding area to do. This has been our mission from the very beginning, to be a light in the world, to prioritize Monday through Saturday, to serve the, the most vulnerable and the least of these. And so now is the time for us to do that more than ever. As I'm going to communicate later on, practically speaking, we're focusing on three groups for now. School children, first responders, and the elderly, since these seem to be the most vulnerable people at this moment in time. And there's going to be some very practical ways for us to serve them. Once again, please check out wearecitylight.org backslash updates. There's also a phone number you can, you can call. And then on the website, a reference form you can fill out if you want to refer help for somebody else that you meet. Or if you want to be helped, if you need something yourself, please call us. Uh, we know many of you may have, um, you might be losing job time or job hours, or there might be some struggles financially just in our congregation. And so we want to support you as best as we can. Uh, you might meet somebody in your sphere of influence as a teacher, social worker that just needs some specific help right now, uh, whether it be food or whatever. Uh, please fill out the reference form, call the phone number. We want to help you and whoever you're working with as best as we can. And so we want to be the light of the world. And there's a lot of practical steps for us to take. So that being one of them, referrals through the phone number and through the form. Please fill those out. Let us know if you particularly need help or if you know somebody that's in desperate need so that we can serve you and serve the people that you know. So in terms of our congregation, the first thing I want to do before we even get into Luke is both encourage your hearts and challenge your hearts based off God's word. And then based off God's word where we were already going to be, I want to challenge us to prioritize filling God's house. So the first thing is a word of encouragement. Psalm 46, 1 through 3, this is something you need to memorize. This is good to know just in life. It's also helpful. This is the very first thing that came to my mind uh, when all this began to get real serious, at least around here for us. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives away, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. And then another verse we also put in the newsletter that's been on my heart, John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. This is Jesus speaking. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So I hope these verses strengthen and encourage you right now. And I want us to prioritize memorizing these verses, not only for your own heart, but so that you can minister to those around you, to family members and friends. Based off Psalm 46, the reasoning is simply this, because God is our refuge and strength, and because our refuge and strength, as it says, is very present, very present in trouble, we should not and will not fear. The simple truth we learn from this is that when God is very present, fear is very far. When God is very present, fear is very far. And I don't mean the emotion of fear, that when God is present, you can't feel fear. I mean the control of fear. That the control fear has over your life gets cast out by the overwhelming power of the Lord. Not that you still don't feel fear and experience the emotion of fear, but it no longer has the control of your life that it once did. When God is very present, fear is very far. It says God is the present help in time of trouble, therefore we will not fear. And this is serious stuff. It says that we will not fear even if the earth gives way or the mountains were moved into the sea. Basically, if the whole world literally fell apart and everything was, was falling apart in front of us, and in some ways what we're experiencing now like that, that we say we still are people who do not fear. Why? Because the world was never our refuge to begin with. Our houses, our bank accounts, those things were never our refuge to begin with. 
God has always, always been our refuge. Even our own bodies and their health are not our refuge. We take our refuge in the Lord. So God is present amongst us. I love this that he says he is very present. Not just a little present, not just sometimes present, not just sort of present, but very, very present. And in times like these, when the question is, where is God and what is he doing? The word comes back and says, well, he's very present. And he's working these things out. And he is redeeming souls and restoring lives and doing what God does best. And particularly, if you are in Christ, he is your father and he cares for you. He is a very present father. And so may your heart be encouraged by that. The second verse here is, is that peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. So we learn that God is very present, and now we see that his presence brings us peace. It's the presence of God, not the fixing of our circumstances, that brings us peace. God gives us supernatural peace. I love the phrase here. It says, not as the world gives do I give to you. God gives us a peace that doesn't come from our 401ks. Since they're all going down right now, God gives us a peace that doesn't come from job security. God gives us a peace that doesn't come from having health in our bodies. God gives us a peace that doesn't come from having enough toilet paper in our house. God gives us a peace that the world does not, cannot give to us. This is so unique to us as Christians, as Christ followers, that we have access to a supernatural peace that the world, apart from Christ, simply has no access to until they turn to Jesus. This should be manifest both in our disposition and our attitude and the way that we serve and act in the world. We are not a people of fear because we are overcome with peace, because we have Jesus, and because he doesn't give to us as the world gives to us. And since Jesus doesn't give us peace the way the world does, it cannot be taken away the way the world's peace can be taken away. It's supernatural. It's eternal. What I love about Philippians 4, 6, and 7, and 8 is it teaches us that Jesus' peace is supernatural and it comes about in ways that you can't calculate, that you can't logically deduce. It's not like 1 plus 1 equals 2. No, no, no. It's Jesus is present with me, though my whole world may be falling apart, I have supernatural peace. It's a peace that Philippians 4, 7 says surpasses understanding. It's a peace that you can't logically deduce, that you can't calculate based off circumstances, and the Lord wants you to experience that peace. Now, this doesn't mean to those of you that are struggling with serious anxiety and are really having a hard time right now that God is looking on you in judgment, telling you to stop being anxious like that. No, he's looking at you as a father telling you that he ha you have access to supernatural peace that you can get from the Lord if you go to him. So these are two verses I think have been on my heart personally as your pastor. Um, the ones that I've been thinking about the most and praying over you that we would experience this together, that God is our refuge, a very present help in time of trouble that we would not fear, and that his presence brings us peace. So let that minister to your heart this morning. Please memorize those scriptures and continue to let the word of God speak over you. Secondly, there's an encouragement and now a challenge. And this is interesting because this is going to come from Luke 13. We had just finished Luke 12 last week. If you want to open your Bible at home, please do so, Luke 13, 1 through 5. We had just finished Luke 12 last week. We're going to jump into Luke 14 next week. Uh, I had already, you know, planned out our whole Luke series through Easter, and because we didn't have time to cover every verse, I had to pick certain things that seemed like were something the Lord wanted us to talk about. So, because of our limitations, I had skipped over Luke 13 and gone to Luke 14, which is what we're going to talk about as well this morning. But this is so interesting, God's timing, as we finished Luke 12 last week, and now Luke 13, Jesus addresses God's perspective in the midst of 
evil and things that are happening around us to other people. This is so interesting, clearly from the Lord, that we would use this and address it. But it might come across a little hard in a moment because what he's going to do is uncover what's in our hearts. And he's going to reveal to us what's in our hearts. And he's going to ask us to repent. So look at Luke 13, 1 through 5. It says this, There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Here's another example. Or how about those 18 people on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and it killed them? This is apparently just some random, random act. Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you all likewise perish. And so what seems to be happening here is people are bringing to Jesus these instances, and they're wanting to know what is God doing, what is happening in these particular times of suffering and evil, both evil that seems to be perpetuated by a person, Pilate, and evil that seems to happen accidentally, a tower falling over and killing 18 people. Now, for most of us, our first response would be to find some philosophical, theological, big answer to why God allows suffering to happen in the world. And that's not a bad thing to do. The Bible has lots of answers to that, and I think it's healthy for us to learn and to know that. But Jesus simplifies the answer with one word, repent. When he's addressing the people, he doesn't care. I mean, he doesn't care. He doesn't think as much about who has already died, but now he's thinking about who's standing in front of him. The people that are asking the question, that is his most concern. It's to say, what is going on with your heart, with your life? Jesus simplifies the whole response to this question, and he says one thing. He says, repent. He says, while you are still breathing, repent. We say, why are some people catching this bad thing and other people are not? What's the difference? Why does that happen? We say, why would something like this even come into the world like this? Why would God allow this to happen? And though there are good things to think about with that and good answers that we can talk through later, uh, the main thing that Jesus says that he wants to say to us now is repent, is to get your heart right before the Lord. While you are still breathing, while you are still able, while you are still conscious, while you are still thinking, while you can still receive the gospel, repent. What we learn from this is that the most important question isn't why is this happening right now, but rather what is the condition of my heart towards God right now? This is the most important question for all of us, you watching online, for your friends and family, is not why is this happening right now? That's not the most important question. The most important question from Jesus is what is your heart toward God right now? What is the condition of your heart toward God? The first question isn't unimportant, like I said. Obviously, there's answers to those types of questions. Why does God allow these things? Why is the world broken, etc., etc.? But the most important thing for us now to answer before we get on to other things is what is the condition of my heart? And have I repented and trusted in the Lord? Because Jesus says, you may be breathing now, but just like them, you will likewise perish. And there will come a day when you will give an account before God. The Bible tells us that it is appointed once for a man to die and then to experience judgment. And so we all are faced with that now more than ever, even though we're all aware that one day we're going to die. These kind of events taking place around us give us a greater sense of our mortality. And Jesus wants us to press into that, not run away from that. And he wants us to, to see and to have revealed what's in our hearts. So my question for you is, how is your heart with God right now? Have you repented from your sins and trusted in Jesus as your Savior to give you eternal life? 
Do you even have and have access to the peace I was talking about before? Is God your refuge and your strength, or have you been trying to make it on your own? If you're listening to this today, and you haven't decided to make a decision to repent from your sins and follow Jesus, today is the day, now is the time. Jesus has one word for you in the midst of all these circumstances, is simply repent. And for many of us who have decided to follow Jesus, this is also a time of repentance. It's a time for us to remember while we are placed on this planet. Some of us have been taking life so lackadaisically, we have not been preparing for eternity. We have not been investing in the things that matter. We have just been going one day after the other, not taking care and concern as to how we're spending our time, how we're spending our resources, and what the condition of our souls is because of this. Some of us haven't cared about our neighbors that are lost around us. Some of us haven't been concerned about these weighty matters of eternity. Some of us are lazy in our hearts and in our actions. Some of us have been self-reliant. Though we say we trust in God, we're really trusting in the fact that our bank account is settled, I have a consistent paycheck, and all my kids are healthy. And God wants to take this time to pull that rug of self-sufficiency out from under us and to reveal our hearts as to who we're really trusting, how are we really living. The Lord is prompting us to repent. And if all we want to do in this season is be comforted, we're going to miss most of what God wants to do in our hearts, which is to lead us towards repentance. To help us to take this seriously, to remember that God is not to be trifled with, that we have one life to live, that it will end likely shorter than we think it will, and that eternity is a long, long time. And so the question for all of us is, are you ready for eternity? Have you trusted in Jesus? Have you repented from your sins and put your faith in his life, death, and resurrection for you? And for those of you that have done that, are you preparing for eternity? Are you living in light of the things that really matter? Are you taking your faith seriously, your neighbors seriously, heaven, hell, all these great weighty things in our lives? Are these things that you're living for? Are you using your resources accordingly? How should we all repent and turn towards Jesus in this time? That is the main word Jesus has for us, and I know it's not the primary word we want to hear, but that's exactly what he does with these people. They say, why those people and not those people? Why this act of evil or this random act of suffering? And Jesus looks at them and simply says, repent. You're still breathing. You didn't fall into the tower. You didn't get killed by Pilate. You still have a moment to repent. And that's his priority with you as well. You're listening to this. You have a chance to repent. You have a chance to turn back towards God. So that's the first word. An encouragement, Psalm 46, God is our refuge. John 14, he is our peace. And then a challenge for us to take this as a wake-up call and repent and turn back towards God. Now on to Luke 14. I have three very simple things to tell you about Luke 14. This was going to be the original sermon that was planned, you know, for months in advance. And I still think it's important for us to stay on the same page as we work through Luke, working towards Easter and thinking about where we were already going to be in the text. And as God would have it, this text particularly is helpful when we think about how are we going to do ministry in this time? What does it look like for us to do ministry in this particular season of life? How are we going to live that out? And I think God had this all worked out, as he always does, that he's going to use this text to prompt us uh, to the edges of society that we may serve the most vulnerable during this time. So Luke 14, 14 uh, 12 through 24, would you please open your Bible there? Just turn one more over. We're going to read that, and then three very quick points, and we'll be done. Luke 14, 12 through 24. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and repay you. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and then you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. 
So someone was reclining at the table. They heard these things and said, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, this is Jesus speaking, A man once gave a great banquet, and he invited many people. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. Now this may be you already. Jesus said, Come, repent, follow me. And in your mind, you still made an excuse. The first person said, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Now, these people aren't that dumb. Who buys a field without seeing it, okay? Nobody's going to buy a field without seeing it. So he's making up this silly excuse to say, I bought a field, I must go out and see it. What we're going to see is all three of these excuses are ridiculous, and we wouldn't take them if somebody gave it to us. It would be like if our kids said our dog ate our homework. This is not actually what's going on. They're just trying to get out of the situation. So he says, I bought a field, i got to go see it. Okay, sure, please have me excused. And some of you may be thinking that way to say, no, I have other business to attend to other than repenting and dealing with what's in my heart. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and now I'm going to go examine them. Once again, this would be like if you bought a car and didn't get it checked out beforehand. Nobody says, I bought a car and then I gave it to my mechanic to see if it was a good car. People don't do that. This is what he's saying here. This is a ridiculous excuse. I bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. And what Jesus is trying to reveal is that all our excuses are ridiculous in light of the fact that the most important thing is to be at this banquet, to be a part of God's house and family. So I bought five yoke of oxen and I have to go examine them. Another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Because couples hate going to parties. This is definitely something couples don't like to do. What does that mean? I married a wife, and now I can't go to a banquet. I can't go to a party. I can't go eat free food. My wife is a crazy introvert. Maybe that's what he's saying. I don't know. But once again, the excuse is ridiculous. Three times people say, no, I can't do it for three really stupid and silly reasons. And I want you to know that as we or if we reject God's invitation, any reason to do that is ridiculous. No matter what, any reason you can come up with, like I want to live my life now, I want to get all the pleasure, I want to what? It's ridiculous. Any reason I can come up with to not live for the Lord is ridiculous. And so what I want you to see from here is that there is no excuse to God's invitation. So if you're listening to this and you're still making excuses and you still won't repent, I want to challenge you once again that any excuse you would give to God is ridiculous, both now and then on that day, ultimately, when you would have no more second chances. Any excuse you give to God will not be taken seriously. So the servant came. He reported these things to his master. Then the master got angry, and he said to his servant, Well, go quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city. Bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, we've done what you asked. And still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in. Here's the phrase, That my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet. And so there's that phrase right there that my house may be filled. What I wanted to talk about for months now was the priority of God's house. The priority of our ambition to fill God's house. And to do everything we can and to make every effort possible to go to anybody, anywhere to fill God's house. And for us to know that it is God's desire in his heart for his house to be filled. God wants people to repent and trust in Him. God desires that people would follow Him. God wants His house to be full. God wants to be a refuge for billions and billions of people. God desires this in His heart to have a full house. And so for us as City Light Church, our main ambition is to prioritize filling God's house. 
This is what we ought to live for. We ought to look at our neighborhood and think, man, how can I go to this neighborhood and invite people to the banquet so I can fill God's house? How can we minister in West Falls Church, Annandale, all those surrounding areas, Fairfax, so that we can fill God's house? How can I serve the needy and the least of these now so that I can fill God's house? How can I go to work and help fill God's house? How can I go to social events and help fill God's house? How can I plan my schedule and my money and everything that I have to help fill God's house? This is God's priority that his house would be filled. So this is the priority for City Light as well, that we would prioritize God's house. So I'm going to give you three quick things about this. The first is the main reason for all the effort is to fill the house. This is what he says, that my house may be filled. The reason we put in any effort is to fill the house. And so I want this to be clear to us, even as we go serve and take care of tangible needs and serve people where they're at based off the needs they have right now that are evident, the priority still for all of us is to fill God's house. It's to share the gospel. The good news that there is a Savior, His name is Jesus, and that even though we have sin and we have broken His law and that we deserve to be separated from God forever, God sent Jesus to die for our sins, rise again from the dead, so that we can have life in His name. And that if you were to die from a virus or from a towel falling over you or from any other crazy thing that can happen in this broken world, that would not be a problem because you would enter into heaven for eternity with God. You'd be a part of God's house. This is the kind of peace that we want people to have. And now, because of what's happening, people are faced with their own mortality. As we talked about, people are more nervous about these things. They're more aware of the fact that they don't live forever. So this is a time especially for us to be bold. This is not a time for us as city like to shrink back, to hole up, to try to just protect our own little circle. But this is a time, obviously, to be wise, hand sanitize, social distance, all that stuff is good. But this is a time in any way we can, whether it's digital or whether we see someone while we're out, to fill God's house and to be bold. People are sensitive and aware of the fact that they will not live forever, that death is more imminent in their mind, and we want to take advantage of that to help people say, yeah, that's true, that's always been true. This is not more true now than it has been before. It's just God helping you see that. And so we want to prioritize filling God's house, sharing the gospel message. So I ask you, City Life Church, may we be bold in this season with the gospel. May we prioritize filling God's house. May we invite people into the banquet that they can have with the Lord, and may we make no excuses. So the main reason for all the effort, both now and forever with City Light Church, is that we may join God in His ambition to fill His house. The second thing, the main place, so we have a reason for the effort, we have a place for the effort. The main place for all the effort is on the edges of society. I love this. It's not that the rich didn't even have a chance. Of course they did. This is why so often Jesus says how difficult it is for a rich man to come to the Lord, come to heaven, because they think they're self-sufficient. So they reject the invitation, and now he says, well, why don't you go out to the poor, the lame, and the crippled? Go to the highways and the hedges of society. Basically, take the invitation to every corner of the world, particularly to those on the edges of society to the marginalized, to the vulnerable, to the lame, to those who cannot come to you, take the invitation there, they will certainly receive it. And so this is a word and encouragement to us that the place for our effort is on the edges of society. This doesn't relate to maybe your current social sphere or effort. You definitely still serve in your neighborhood. You serve where you're at in your workplace. Obviously, people that have money, resources, and all those things need the gospel just as much. But Jesus is now prioritizing and saying, the place where I want you to put your effort is on the edges of society. 
Now this is a word for us now, City Light, as we consider what we're doing, as we consider our steps moving forward, as we say, man, it seems like school children, uh, because they don't have uh, free food every day now at school, and all the other reasons, parents who don't have daycare, all these different things that are happening, uh, that when kids don't go to school, society breaks down on some level. The elderly certainly seem most vulnerable physically to this that is going on. They're scared of going to grocery stores for good reason and all those things. How can we serve and help them? First responders are obviously just being worn out and worn down by the amount of effort and time they're putting into this and the fact that they're placing themselves near to harm's way. And so we want to say, okay, in light of that, in the light of that this seems like the most vulnerable part of society right now, how can we not stay away from the edges but go to them? How can we not stay away from the risk but go to it? The people that should be the most fearless, not the most stupid, right? Still use hand sanitizer. I'm not asking you to, to say that faith is just, I don't care about anything. No, of course not. But to say I prioritize the mission of God above myself, I think that would be faith. To say, how can I serve? How can I be where people are? How can I go to the edges of society? So that we take our effort to the edges. And this is going to be so important for us. I want you to check the updates page. We already have things in motion. So we've asked four of our local schools to give us 20 of their most vulnerable families. We've already had lots of responses to that. And now we're scheduling ways for us to deliver goods to their house. Uh, and if you're not necessarily uh, comfortable with that, you can deliver it to our church. But we're asking many of our people to deliver to the house to be able to provide goods and needs that way, to be able to serve people who can't transport and get to where we are, people that are stuck and that don't have any access to any way to get what they need. We're saying we're planning a way to deliver goods to your house. We're communicating with local organizations, fire stations, police force, hospitals and whatnot as to how we can serve in this time. We're communicating with the local agency for the elderly as to how we can serve in this time. All that information is going to be on the website on the updates page. There's a sign-up genius for certain things going on. You can pick up goods and drop it at our new church building facility, which is 2929 Graham Road. You can drop stuff there. There's a whole communication behind how and when you can do that. There's a thousand ways, I'm telling you, for you to serve and be involved. And it's all laid out very specifically on the website for you. So please, please, please find a way. Join us in the effort. Join us in prayer. Join us in action. And let's be a church who, when it's all said and done, people will say, that church didn't run away. That church was not afraid. Those people jumped in. That city light makes Jesus famous and provides a good name on Christianity because of the way we acted and took care of the most vulnerable. Let's be what we came to West Falls Church to be. So Jesus prioritizes uh, filling the house. He prioritizes the edges of society. Let's go there with him and serve the best way that we can. Finally, the main motivation for all the effort, I get this, is an internal repayment from God. So you have the reason for the efforts to fill the house. The place of the effort is the edges of society. And the motivation for the effort is eternal repayment from God. He says in verse 14, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. The motivation is not how things will work out now, that we won't get sick too, that we won't need money as well. The repayment is that one day God will reward us in heaven. The repayment is not that I make a decision in faith and life works out great for me right now. That is not what God promises. when we can't live for that. The repayment is to say, man, if you prioritize filling my house, if you prioritize the edges of society, then I will repay you at the resurrection. And I'm telling you, this is a great investment because God has more to give you than you could ever give up for Him. It is impossible to outgive God. And if you're considering just your resources, your health, your time, your energy as a way to invest, your greatest investment is in the kingdom. 
because the greatest return on investment will come from God. And so I want us to think that way about eternity, about how we're living things out, about how we're calculating our return on investment, about the way we prioritize our resources. Uh, for many of you, this is a time for you not to hunker down and hold resources, but to give more. Because as we go forward, there's not only people in our church that are losing jobs, that don't have hourly things that they can pay, that are living paycheck to paycheck. There are also people around us that are really struggling financially, struggling to get resources. It's going to take us rising up as a church to be able to provide for people who simply can't provide for themselves right now because of the circumstances. And it will require many of us giving more than we regularly would. This is so important for us to say, I am not trying to hoard and to care for my own future uh, without concern to how people around me are doing. And so, of course, we're not asking you to liquidate your whole retirement funds or whatever, but we're just asking for generosity. We're asking for you to think about others. We're asking for you to think about, if I have this amount of resources and I want the greatest return on investment, that's going to come by dedicating them to the kingdom. Because one day, Jesus says, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And God will repay you better than anybody, person, or worldly system could ever repay you. So please continue to be generous. We're not meeting in person. We ask that you would go ahead and give online. We ask that you would really continue to do that well so that we can take those resources and provide for people in need. Because we are already getting a ton of requests. Already. And there's going to be a lot more to do. This is not ending tomorrow. And so there's going to be a lot of work for us to do. So if you still have lots of resources left over and have the ability to give, we're asking you to prioritize giving uh, so that we can do this together as a church and take care of not only our own congregation, who definitely some of them need help right now, we can take care of our community around us. So just as a review and as a summary, I want to encourage you, Psalm 46 and John 14. God is a very present help in time of trouble, and he is your peace. I want to challenge you that the one word Jesus has for you when facing suffering is repent. Make sure your heart is right before the Lord. I want to encourage all of us as a church to prioritize God's house. This means that the main reason for all the effort that we do at City Life Church will be to fill the house. The main place that we put all the effort is on the edges of society. The poor, the lame, the crippled, the blind, the struggling, the marginalized. We go to the highways and the hedges. And the motivation for all of our effort is an eternal repayment from God that we are looking forward to one day when we resurrect with Jesus and spend eternity with him. And so church, I love you so much. May you continue to invest in what God is doing. Thank you for joining us here on YouTube. Please once again, join us Thursday night for a prayer night. Join us next Sunday at 10 a.m. And just stay up to date with everything that we're doing so that you can join in the efforts that we are putting forward to serve the community around us. Love you, praying for you. Let's walk in the light of the Lord together. Let me pray for us as we close. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we just thank you that you are our refuge and our strength. And we pray that during this time we would take the call to repent seriously, and that we would truly look at the condition of our heart, and that we would trust you, and that we would turn towards you, that you would reveal to us how we've been trusting in ourselves. We pray that you would help us, God, just to release our, our anxiety, our fear, to release uh, our desire to hoard and hold things back, help us to be generous, help us to trust and I pray, Lord, that we as a church would prioritize filling your house, that we would join you in the effort to invite many people to the banquet. And, Lord, may you use us to help fill your house there in this season, Lord. We love you. We thank you for all you're doing. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.